Welcome back to Dermcast TV. Rob Cascayo again from Washington, D.C. for the SDPA Summer Conference. I'm here today with Dr. Robert Micheletti. Thanks for coming, Dr. Micheletti. How are you? Good. Uh, we're so happy to have you. Uh, you you are your heavy hitter in, in complex dermatology. You've given a lecture today. We talked about drug reactions, serious drug reactions, uh, which is a point of specialty for you. Uh, talk about your uh, where you are locally, what you're doing uh, a little bit for us. Sure. So I'm at the University of Pennsylvania and I do uh, complex medical dermatology inpatient derm. And um, our group has been working on research in Stevens-Johnson's and other severe drug reactions, uh, as well as other things. Which is, and you know, from a, from a clinical standpoint for us that are out in community-based dermatology, this may not be something we see in practicum, but it certainly is something we can see because of the therapeutics we use. And also we may see them initially in the early stages of the disease. And you said something in your lecture today that really made me stand back. I think we know there's mortality uh, in relation to these types of reactions, particularly Stephen Johnson's, let's say, uh, you reported in the literature about up to 25% mortality. So this is astounding to me. So right out of the gates, talk about what we can do as community-based clinicians to avoid the mortality. Yeah, so I think uh, you mentioned, you know, uh, this statistic about mortality and, you know, about 20, up to 25% for Stevens-Johnson's, you know, 10% for dress syndrome is what's reported in the literature. And, you know, that's not just scary to somebody in the community, that's scary to me, you know, and I right. see it all the me time. Me too. Yeah. So, um, so the point is just that, you know, you want to be sort of ready, you know, um, even if it's a rare thing, um, you, you have to be ready to recognize it when it happens. And so just kind of speaking broadly um, at first, um, you know, how do you do that? Well, I think as any kind of provider, we have to be um, really relishing the opportunity to make a difference for our patients, right? So we have to be ready for that. Um, we have to uh, never sell ourselves short, right? If something doesn't seem quite right, um, you know, no matter what part in the chain you are, um, you gotta speak up. And I think those, that's where it begins, you know, whether it's drug reactions or, you know, some other severe condition presenting in the skin. Um, specifically um, to the point about Stevens-Johnson's or dress syndrome, what we're looking for is a patient who has a rash, but there's something else. You know, there's either systemic symptoms in the case of dress, you know, fever, um, you know, facial involvement, facial swelling, um, lab laboratory abnormalities. And in the case of Stevens-Johnson's, eye irritation, mouth irritation, and those dusky lesions, the atypical target lesions, rather than just kind of a typical morbilliform rash. Those are the classic clinical finds that might even be early. So uh, in some of these other conditions uh, like dress, generalized pustulosis, is there uh, a, the timing you talked about a little bit too in terms of presentation from when uh, folks may induce or introduce themselves to an aggravating factor? What is that like typically in these conditions? Yeah, so for Stevens-Johnson syndrome, it's usually a medicine they've been taking for one to two weeks. Um, and if they've been on the medicine for longer than eight weeks, it's really pretty unlikely. Um, for dress syndrome, now you're looking for a medicine that somebody's been on for, say, two weeks to two months or three weeks to three months, kind of a longer timeline. Um, and so it kind of resets how you're sort of thinking about these drugs. Also be aware that uh, in probably up to 15, 20 percent of cases, um, they may even have stopped the drug already by the time they're presenting. Um, patients uh, are smart. Sometimes they even are thinking that there's an allergy, um, but it's just good to have it on your radar. Um, to know that you know, you're also looking for medicines they may have already stopped. Since these folks can come to us somewhat um, leading to really the, the peak of their acuity, where's the line? Where would you say, uh-oh, 
this, as a community-based uh, clinician, let's say, where would you say this person needs to go to the ER right now? Yeah, so I understand it's it's kind of a pain to send somebody, somebody to the ER. You know, where I practice at uh, University of Pennsylvania, you know, people are sitting in the ER for five hours. So I know it's not an easy decision to, to send somebody on, um, but it's really one of those things that's, you know, better safe than sorry. And, um, you know, there's much more of a downside to, um, you know, to missing things or ignoring something that could be potentially serious then, as I mentioned in my lecture, you know, what's the worst that can happen if it's not Stevens Johnson says that, you know, they go in, they get checked out and they go home and, and then everything's fine, you know? Right. So I think a premium is really placed more on uh, making sure if something doesn't seem quite right, again, you know, keep coming back to that. If something doesn't seem quite right, um, don't ignore that. You're always better to act on it. So let me ask you one thing before you send these people out is, would you advise any at, at the level of the clinic again, would you advise What's an intervention that might help these people avoid a bad outcome uh, going off, even though they're going off to the ER? Is there something we can do clinically to put them in a better prognostic situation? Sure. Well, remember that as the dermatology provider, you're the expert, right? So you understand this reaction better than any other provider. Um, you're, you're best placed to understand what particular drugs uh, might be uh, causative agents. And you also understand that where they go is key. So, uh, you know, if you're able to do a history that and, and then identify, you know, um, or, or set out clearly, you know, these are the most common or most likely things uh, in this particular case, and then facilitate them getting not just to an ER, you know, random ER, but a place where there's going to be expertise, more expertise than what you have, you know, um, some place where they're going to have a dermatologist seeing them, some place that has access to a good ICU or a burn center if it's Stevens-Johnson syndrome. So those are things just very early on, just helping them get to the right place, helping them get to the, get the right diagnosis um, that are really key. Would you do something as interventive as, for instance, giving them a shot of IM? prednisone or Kenalog rather before they walk out the door in these scenarios? That's an interesting question. I haven't thought of it that way. Um, I'm not saying you would necessarily be wrong, but I think um, probably you're best suited just kind of getting them to, you know, proper location, you know, as quickly as possible so that um, you know, they they're can gonna, take it from there. They're going to interview pretty, intervene uh, very quickly anyways. So. Ideally, okay. yes. So the I think the interesting thing in the standpoint of a, a office, or rather a community-based clinician is we initiate primary care doctors, dermatology, we're giving minocycline, seems like every other acne patient. Um, it's not impossible that we use these medications, sulfos, et cetera. Is there, are there prognostic factors in terms of looking at a patient and saying, mm, this person might be at risk to use a solvent drug, other than an obvious history of sensitivities? Is there anything uh, that, that might be predictive? Yeah, it's an interesting question. So I, I say that you know it's, it's nice to be able to recognize the reaction and treat the reaction, but it'd be even better if we could prevent it uh, in the first place. Um, unfortunately, the answer is kind of yes with an asterisk. So um, we know that certain HLA types, certain genetic predispositions um, make pe uh, certain people be at higher risk of, of these uh, reactions. So for example, there's an HLA type that uh, puts patients of East Asian descent at a high risk of Stevens-Johnson's from the medicine carbamazepine anti-seizure drug. So the FDA actually recommends screening for that before a patient of that genetic background would be put on that drug. And if you go to countries where there are lots of people of East Asian descent, you know, they don't use that drug very much. Um, you know, so a lot of research in Stevens-Johnson's is oriented around these uh, genetic predispositions uh, so that you know, in, the, in the realm of personalized medicine, you know, we maybe don't use certain drugs in certain people. Now, on the individual provider level, 
um, unless you're a neurologist prescribing carbamazepine, you know, there's probably not a lot to do with that information right now. Um, but I think that's something that's evolving over time. It's interesting. It'd be, it'd be great. And this is, you've mentioned doing research in particularly Steven Johnson syndrome. So what do we have in the future? What, what is research leaning towards in terms of diagnostics, therapeutics, et cetera? Well, definitely the genomics stuff, uh, for sure. Um, there's also, um, you know, uh, improving understanding of the actual biological basis of the condition. Um, what are the mediators of the cell death? Uh, the skin death and the condition. Can we can we use that as a diagnostic tool? Wouldn't it wouldn't it be nice to have a point of care, you know, measurement of these elevated, um, you know, soluble death mediators that that we see in Stevens Johnson's? Uh, wouldn't it be nice to have a drug that actually just blocks that? There's always uh, research going on trying to determine, you know, what immunosuppressive drug might reverse the disease or or blunt the disease. Um, the trouble is, as a rare condition, it's really hard to do research. It's really hard to control for all the different confounding factors. Um, but the good news is, um, you know, that our group uh, in the U here in the U.S., there's a group in, in Europe, um, you know, people are interested in this. People are uh, trying to collect patients and also collect samples in patients who, who develop the reaction. So, so it is, a, 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 in that sense, a good time um, that we're learning more and hopefully in the future we'll have better things uh, that we can do to prevent and also treat the condition. That's amazing. And, and it's great that we've got that uh, genomics, particularly point of interest everywhere in dermatology these days, but it's good to know. We'll look out for your research in the future. And thanks again for stopping by Dermcast Studios. You know, you mentioned you live in Philly, you said, but you grew up in Houston? That's right. So what do you think? Eagles, Texans, where are uh, you? I gotta go Texans. Oh, all right. You gotta go and stick with your home team. Yeah, I get right. it, I feel it. Okay, well, thanks again. It's so great to have right, you. Thanks pleasure. for stopping by Dermcast TV. It's Rob Casqueo in the nation's capital, Dermcast TV.